Now, the book of uh, Habakkuk was a prophet of Habakkuk who lived in Judah at a time of uh, spiritual decay. And he has got two major laments that he brings before the Lord. And the first lament is in uh, chapter 1, where he cries and says to the Lord, How long? How long will we wait and wait and see iniquity having its way and you do not act? And the Lord answered uh, that. And then he had another lament in the second uh, part, still in chapter 1, and where he acknowledges God and still wants to ask, what will God uh, do? And God answers him and says, the righteous shall live uh, by faith. And God shows him that he will raise the Babylonian kingdom, the wicked kingdom, to punish his people, to do his uh, bidding, so to speak. And it is in this context that Habakkuk then uh, prays to the Lord, and he answers God. And as he does so, seeing uh, this uh, aspect, and he cries out these woes, five woes in chapter 2, and we've read uh, two of them in the passage that we have read. He cries out to God and says, God, won't you relent? And then he offers this prayer that we have in uh, chapter 3. And this is where my text will come from in chapter 3 and, and, and verse 2. Notice that chapter 3 says it's a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigionoth. And uh, the mention of Shigionoth indicates that this must have become a popular uh, psalm or hymn that they would sing uh, in the nation afterwards. But the prayer starts by saying, Oh Lord, he responds to the things that he sees of, of, of God. And uh, in this uh, chapter 3, the prophet looks back on God's mighty acts of the past and he sees and is able to trace God himself in, in all these things and uh, as he does so he therefore cries out to God in prayer uh, when uh, things became difficult for him Habakkuk saw that the only thing he could do was to pray to God and I want us to see these things in this text where he says, O oh Lord, I have heard the report of you. And your work, O oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, uh, remember mercy. And what we are seeing together today is a fitting response to God's providence. A fitting response to God is, is to pray when you see all the things that God is doing and even the very, very sad moments, frowning providence, the thing to do is to go back in prayer. And three things we noticed from our text concerning uh, this prayer. 
you notice in, in the first place the recollection necessary in the situation. And notice in the first place concerning this recollection necessary is uh, the first two words, O Lord. I'm sure you notice the emotions with which the prophet comes to God. It is with a heart that he indeed has been affected, a heart that has come to know. And what has this heart come to know? He says, I have heard the report of you and your word. And therefore, Habakkuk's prayer is uh, inspired or caused by what he heard, what he knew about uh, God, about God's past fame and also God's past uh, activities and the events that he caused and the events that surround him. He remembers God's mighty acts in, in, in the past, particularly when you notice that in verse 3, immediately as he starts his prayer, he says, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Now you, you know about Mount Paran? Mount Paran is the place where uh, Moses in Deuteronomy 33 invoked a blessing upon the children of Israel before he departed, before he died. And therefore in the mind of Habakkuk as he begins to pray to God was to remember how God himself saved his people. And he continues on this theme if you go further in chapter 3 verse uh, 13 to 15 he says you went out for the salvation of your people for the salvation of your anointed you crushed the head of the house of the wicked laying him bare from thigh to neck Selah. you pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret you trample the sea with your, with your horses and the surging of mighty waters. The prophet went immediately to the thought of uh, the salvation of Israel from Egypt, where God took out his chosen ones and made them pass through the Red Sea as on dry ground. These things, the prophet says, I have heard of the report of you. He wasn't there, but he heard of, of these things and was uh, convinced. This prophet must have heard many other things concerning the works and the events surrounding God and his people. Surely, he, he must have heard about uh, Nadab and Abihu, who indeed offered unauthorized fire before the Lord and uh, God consumed them. He must have heard of this. So he must have heard of how God dealt with wickedness and how God dealt with those who were wicked. And you notice immediately that this prayer has before the eyes of the prophet, this prayer had before uh, it the very works of God 
concerning salvation that he has come to offer to man. And the prophet, therefore, recollecting these acts, recollecting God's word, and maybe particularly recollecting God's word concerning the Babylonians in chapter 2, he comes and prays to the Lord. And in praying, he realizes first and foremost who God is and what God is able to do. And friends, here we have a model of prayer immediately that when you come before God all the time, realize who you are coming before. It is the God who is great. Greater than all the events that do happen and greater to the extent that the events in this world do not hold his power back and that there is no power in this world that would be able to hold him back in, in any way. I must say that indeed as we think about this, the prophet must be thinking of the God who therefore is in absolute control. Absolute control of all things. You remember uh, in the book of Jeremiah, when Jeremiah almost came to almost the same thing as he saw calamities and events happening around him, God took uh, Jeremiah to show him the porter at work and the porter at work with his clay. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 18, it says this in Jeremiah chapter 18, the Jeremiah is uh, told to look at the clay. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seems good to, to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken returns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intend to do. And if at, at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it, doesn't, and if it does evil in my sight, and not listen to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that says the Lord, behold, I am shaping disaster against you, devising a plan against you. Return every one of you from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. Essentially, I'm bringing that as an illustration to show that God at all times is in control. That as uh, the prophet was recalling these things, he was overwhelmed with this aspect in his mind that God 
is in absolute control. I wonder if this overwhelms you also. If you are able to sit back and see the events in this life, in our time, whether they even cause you to go back to God, to pray to God, and to show you that there is God. These events that are happening, our contemporary events, dear friends, must indicate to us that there is God in heaven. The prophet feared greatly. He says this, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord. Do I fear? He says that he heard and he heard about God, about his being, and about the fact that he is the God who holds the entire universe in its wide array, in its uh, greatness, in its magnitude, in its magnificence. He holds it in his hands, this God. But not only that, he says he's heard of the works of God, the works of God concerning how he brought Israel out of Egypt, but more than that, how he meted out his justice, how he meted out his punishment. He must have heard of the flood of Noah. Just like you seated in your homes or seated here in the auditorium, the fewer that you are, wherever you are seated, I'm sure there's something you can point to the action and the works of God. And I'm sure where you are, in your heart of hearts, you know about God. Oh, friends, do you fear all this? What response is it calling out from you? Look at the response that this called out from uh, the prophet Habakkuk. His response was to respond in prayer. It was to immediately respond in prayer. And he prayed thus, if you notice, in the second place in two ways. First, it was a response to ask God to indeed visit in a particular way and revive proper aspect of worship to him. This is what he says. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In other words, God, come and make yourself known in these our living days, he's, he's saying. And in doing so, he refers to the deliverance in this context from the Babylonians and from the Babylonian activity. And he says, fix this, our years, fix them. He says, in the midst of the years, revive it. In other words, make this indeed come to an end now, O oh God. Revive it. In other words, revive and cause your hand of grace to be known here. Cause your hand of grace to be known by me individually. He is praying. But in the midst of the years, he, and when he looks and makes it plural in terms of time, he must be making it plural in terms of the actions of God upon his people. In other words, what the prophet is doing, he is accepting the justice of God. He is acknowledging that all this is God. 
And also, he is seeing that the answer only lies in God himself and nothing else. You know, friends, we do not have the powers to change the course of history. We can't change what has happened in the past. But you know also, we cannot cause what will happen tomorrow. Scripture is evident, and even we ourselves, we know that there is nothing that we do that can change what will happen tomorrow. We can only do that as God himself grants us the grace. None of us know whether we will be alive and kicking tomorrow. Especially when we've been sitting and we've been hearing news, sad news about this one uh, having died. I don't know about you, but for me, the past few days, and we were sharing this in our eldership, on our WhatsApp groups, in our families and so on, we sit and we wait and we listen. This one has passed on. You turn around, this one is very ill. You turn around, you hear these disturbing uh, things. We would desire that they wouldn't happen. But we do not have control. And therefore, the only fitting thing that we can do is to pray. And when we pray, we are committing ourselves to God. And we are acknowledging that God is in absolute control, friends. The prophet says, in the midst of the years, revive it. In other words, he is basically saying this, which is, which is very important in his uh, prayer. That may God renew his works with us. And therefore, may God make his presence manifest in these our living days. And he's saying, therefore, in this our time, make yourself known. And that's why he says, in the midst of the years, make it known. This must be our response when we hear the works of God, the mighty works of God, and whether you are convinced that they are mighty works or not, you must know and pray to God that he may visit you. That God himself may renew his grace, his love upon us as individuals. Particularly you who doesn't know the Lord. Or that God may come to you in a new and fresh way. To be able to come to know him as the God of salvation. Rather than just knowing him as the God of calamity. But friends also, know that in all these things that he is there for doing, he owes us absolutely nothing. He doesn't owe you any gratitude at all. For what? He doesn't owe you anything good from his hand. He doesn't. The only thing 
that he owes you because of who you are and what you have done and the way you continue to relate to him is his wrath. That he will condemn you and punish you. And the prophet Habakkuk saw this coming. He saw that God was going to punish Judah for all her sins. And he knew that God is indeed a God of justice. And God tells him that indeed I'm a God of justice in chapter 2. And verse 2, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor. An arrogant man who is never traced, his greed is as wide as shell. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects it as his own all peoples. The Lord is basically saying there will be justice that will be done. Therefore, Habakkuk, in this psalm, and indeed it is a psalm, sees all this and he says, in wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. And I want you to notice, dear friends, that he immediately sees the attributes of God. He sees who God is and what God is to his people and what God is to the whole of uh, creation. You know, since the, this uh, prayer starts with, I have heard the report, the, the, the prophet must have heard about the time when the children of Israel carved for themselves that golden calf. And uh, God spoke to Moses and said, I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. The Israelites knew God to be a God who is like a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, he says, the Lord is a consuming fire, a jealous God. That's why when they did this idol, and were indeed prostrating themselves and worshipping this idol, he, God would come and say, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them. And my wrath may burn hot against them. And this is what God is. His wrath bends hot against all evil. The writer to the Hebrews would say in Hebrews 12 that our God is a consuming fire. And the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 
18 would say that God has revealed himself in wrath against all sin. And that, I've paraphrased, but that's what he says. And that's what God is. But he promises that he will restore. But Habakkuk realizes that God does not just restore just like that. It must be because of him. Not because of us, but because of him. That indeed, even though he slays us, yet he will not forsake us. He doesn't. Job knew that. Though he slays us, he will not forsake us. Those of us who have children, little children especially, we always know that when they have done wrong, when we smack them, no matter how hard we smack them, sometimes the child still throws its arms in you. And that is what God expects us to do here. That like little children, we may still come to him and pray, in your wrath, remember mercy. In your wrath, remember uh, mercy. Jeremiah would see this and would say, Oh Lord, my strength, my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble. And that was after he was shown what would happen to all this. Like the praying prophet here, the weeping prophet Jeremiah would say, You are my strength and my stronghold. Our fathers have inherited nothing but lies concerning all these things that have moved them away. Worthless things in which there is no profit. Can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods. Therefore, behold, I will make them know, God says. These ones, I will make them know my power and my might. And they shall know that my name is the Lord. And when he says, my name is the Lord, when he talked to Jeremiah like that, it's the same name that uh, the praying prophet here, Habakkuk, would start with in verse 2, when he says, oh Lord. And that is the name that speaks about the power of God. The power that can crush the whole universe if you think the earth with the sun and other planets all around, they can all be crushed just like that and become like powder in the hands of God. That is his power and that is his name. And when therefore we speak about the wrath of God, it is such wrath that no one can stand when God therefore visits with all his power. And when you think uh, therefore, that the calamities that you have known in your personal life, in our collective lives, and even the calamities that we know today, even when you know and think about these being calamities, I want you to note, and this is very important, I want you to note that they are nothing compared to the real wrath of God. Do not even speak about the wrath of God. If you are to speak about the wrath of God, say with the prophet Habakkuk, in your wrath, remember mercy. And that is our fitting response, friends. You dare not want 
the wrath of God upon yourself and upon anyone else. You don't want that. And therefore, the prophet realizes that God is a consuming fire, that God is a God of wrath. He prays, remember mercy. You know, the things that came to the prophet Habakkuk in recollection are things about the mercy of God. Think about the crossing of uh, the, the, the Red Sea. That he says in all these things, you march through the earth in fury, you thresh the nations in anger, he would say late in verse 12. You went out for salvation of your people. You went out for salvation of your people. This is the message to you today. God in his wrath, he remembers mercy. That's why even after the, the flood of Noah, the rainbow stands as a symbol of God's mercy to his people. Oh friends, even after all this, God would come and visit us and send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes upon himself our sin. Not just some, but our sin. And the passage that we read earlier on, he was crucified. He died. And friends, when he was dying there, it's because the wrath of God was meted upon him, upon Jesus Christ. Instead of that wrath coming upon you, it went on Jesus Christ. God remembered mercy. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Why? That we may become the righteousness of God. That we may become the righteousness of God. Because, you know, when God looked down upon us, you know what he saw? The apostle Paul would say this when God would look down upon us. He would say this. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's what he sees. There is none righteous. No, not one. No one understands and no one seeks for God. But here is the good news. Habakkuk's prayer was heard, actually. And your prayer this morning can be heard. Friends, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. His suffering and his death that we read earlier on was so that he may obtain redemption and salvation for his people. And when you become his, these things that Habakkuk saw begin to make a lot of sense. Because in these things, you see a God who is in absolute control. God is in absolute control today. Is in absolute control right now. Friends, the happenings around us may perplex us, 
Our hearts may be in turmoil. We may be confused, but God is not. He is seated in his throne. Friends, here it is. He is the God of wrath. He is the God of mercy. And he wants you to pray that in his wrath he may remember mercy. And therefore, as we close, here is the lesson that we learn. And it's in this past, in this part. We see that like Habakkuk, let us be cognizant of the works of God. Read the Bible. Acquaint yourself of the things that God has done in the past. And these things that God has done in the past, they will enrich you. And friends, also, this teaches us that we must pray and pray with conviction in our hearts. That notwithstanding all these things, we can go to God and find mercy. And therefore, here it is. We must accept God's dealings with us. And here is the utmost dealing of God with us. It is that God sent his son. And in wrath he punished his son. That you and for you he may remember mercy. That in these events uh, therefore you will not be perplexed and when, even when you are mourning, mourning as those without hope. But you will be able to hold on to God and hold on to him and say you are a God of mercy. Oh friends, will you therefore come to God today? Will you come and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Hear all these things that God has done there for you. And if you are a Christian today, rejoice in the fact that God will hear you and that God wants you to come back to him. That all these things call us to come to God and come to God all of us without exception that we may find mercy because that's who he is. On one hand, he's a God of wrath, he's a consuming fire. On the other hand, is the God of grace, mercy, and love. And his mercy and grace rises up every morning to us. May these thoughts elevate you today. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you, O God, that we can consider these things. We thank you, O God, that your splendor covers the heavens. And the earth is full of your praise because of who you are and particularly because of your work of salvation in our hearts and in the hearts of many. And therefore, how we do pray, O oh God, that today you may indeed remember mercy in your wrath and that today, O oh God, you may visit this country of Zambia with mercy, mercy that brings salvation, O oh God, and mercy that draws us closer to yourself. Cause, O oh God, that uh, this grace, or oh, that 
which we will know as a reality. And Father, therefore, be with us today. Be with us in days to come. Be with us in this period of the pandemic and cause your hand of grace, your hand of mercy to rest upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.